Well, God bless you all. I'm really happy that God gave me this opportunity. And actually, it was intended for the Wednesday meeting, but sadly, I couldn't join because I have to work. So I got this opportunity from Brother Greg, and I took it, and I'm just thankful. I hope I will <laughs> left, leave enough time for Brother Greg at the end. Um, I really made a lot of notes because I want to uh, talk a bit about prayer. It's not really about evangelism today, but I think that the root is prayer. Of course, Jesus, God, but we need prayer. And God revealed me so many things about prayer, how important that is. Actually, I didn't took it seriously uh, before I um, met Brother Greg. Since then, I heard a lot about prayer and man, I realized that it's very needed and it's almost dead in the church, sadly. So I just made a lot of notes. I hope that I can mention most of them. And um, how I want to uh, start is actually to mention how important it is for us to uh, know our, our identity in Christ. If you don't know who you are in Christ, you can pray effectively first. So um, what the Bible is saying that God made us a kingdom of priests and he called us to rule by prayer. And this is very important. This is not something that we are just saying, but we have to practice it in every day in our lives. And I just want to read Ephesians 6, 12 first, because it's, it's actually it's showing us that the world is not ruled by the flesh and by politicians or by those people in authority, but something that is behind them. Here it is written, For a struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Those that, are really, they are those that really know how to pray are the rulers of this world. And it's enough when we look around, sadly, uh, the children of the devil are more zealous to have dominion than the church. Even though they have a lost faith, they have a lost hope. Since Jesus is rose from the dead, we have everything, right? He is the king. He is everything. But they are still, they are still trying their best to have the dominion, to rule. By little by little, they are trying to force you to do things that you actually don't want to. That's what we see. It looks like the children of the devil have the wheel. And what is the church doing with such a hope, such a savior? Many of them, sadly, I was one of them when I was younger. I didn't know what to do, right? But they are just laying back and they are waiting for the new Jerusalem because it's promised, you know, I'm saved, I'm fine now. I can wait for the new Jerusalem. But there are people that want to enter this new Jerusalem as well. And since we are saved, we are called to go out and preach the gospel. We are called to rule by prayer. We have to do something on earth. We can just stay and wait for something that is about to come. But I will talk about this a little bit later. And um, yes, basically Christians are really passive about these things. They are like, it's promised, it will, so it will happen. You know, it's in Revelation, Jesus will come back. I don't have to do anything. It will happen. And they are, they are Christians who are actually waiting for the catastrophes. They are happy when they see them. You know? <laughs> I was one of them, by the way. <laughs> I didn't know how to approach these things, right? So... And But I realized that this is actually wrong and this is not what pleases God to think that Amen. way. So faith is really getting lost today. That's why it is written in Luke 18, 8. I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? 
We don't know how to walk by power because we neglected prayer. Many neglected or lost uh, the faith in, um, in, in the prayer because they don't know that it's actually an invitation for God to come and, and do things, you know. And this is, this is always how it worked. If you read the Bible, it was only one time that God came himself. It was Jesus. But actually in the Bible, when you read, he was always using man. Uh, thank you, sister. <laughs> She's sharing the verses. Um, it was always the man. God's method is man. It's very important. And uh, it's also very important how we have to pray. It's not a religious practice that we are doing. What we have to do is that we rely on the word of God and we are praying through the Holy Spirit. And if we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, we have the right desires, the right thoughts. And it is written that if you are praying that way, something is promised. What you are asking for is already yours. In 1 John 5, uh, verse 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So, to be effective in prayer, it has to be both uh, directed and empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is what we need. It's not us or it's not the prayer itself that is actually powerful, but the Holy Spirit, the word of God. That is, we have to use that every time we pray. There is, for example, a way you can pray that you are reading a passage and you are praying about it. I like this. Brother um, Greg <laughs> actually told us how to do that and it's very, very powerful. So um, there is another uh, verse in John fifteen five, Because without me, you can do nothing. They were those people who went out and tried to cast out demons, because, but they didn't know Jesus. They didn't have Jesus. You can't do anything without Jesus. At the end, you are not even having clothes on you, right? <laughs> what we read, in, read there. So, like I said, really, if the Holy Spirit is inside of us, God will listen to our prayers. We can look at Psalm 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their sterile host by the breath of his mouth. It was all created by two things working together. It was the word of God and the Holy Spirit, the spirit of his mouth. And when we pray and we rely on his word and the Holy Spirit is using us, then guess what? The power that really brought everything, the whole universe into being is flowing through us, through our prayer. Yeah, so <laughs> the, the, the spirit of God and the word of God is always working together you can't just take one of them because there are churches <laughs> there are a type of church they are using the verses but they are dead completely it's without holy spirit it doesn't make sense anyways to the mind it has to be the holy spirit who is revealing it so we need it when we pray so um, there is a very good example for how to pray and i love the example of elijah when we read in james 5 verses 17 up to 18 Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would, wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. See, it's written that he was just a man like us. We tend to think that they had something special, something had to be there. But if you, if you see, and we know that the rainfall is under God's sovereign control. You just can't take over it, you know. But he, Elijah, had control over the weather of Israel for years. And what did he have? 
a secret uh, or a superpower or satellites or whatever the government in Gaza today has. No, nothing, right? But he relied on the word of God. He prayed in alignment of God's will and word. So that's what really was very effective, right? And something else. Wait, I have another verse here. Deuteronomy 11. I, sorry, I don't know how to pronounce it. Deuteronomy. Whatever. One book of Moses. <laughs> 11, verse 16 to 17. Be careful or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you and he will shut up the heavens so that it will not rain and the ground will yield no produce and you will soon perish from the good land that the Lord is giving you. So, what I want to say is, Elijah knew these words. He relied on these words, right? And um, when he prayed, he had the right intention. What he wanted the whole time that Israel would repent and turn back to God. This was the intention of him. Like, he wanted them to repent. So he said, okay, let's punish this land for a short time. But he knew that there was another verse, a promise that was written. And he Amen. had hope and he knew that there is a sign that the uh, Jews are uh, turning back to God. He can claim that God will send rain again because it's written. So where is it written? In First King, for example, in 35, verse 35 to 36. When the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because your people have sinned against you, and when they pray towards this place and give praise to your name and turn from their sin because you have afflicted them, then hear from heaven and forgive the sins of your servants, your people Israel. Teach them the right way to live and send rain on the land you gave your people for an inheritance. So what we actually can here notice that the people in Israel, they were wicked. They were very deep in their sins. And there was still rain. That's why Elijah first had to pray that God would take away the rain, right? That it wouldn't rain because normally it was raining. So what could have the people thinking? Like, we are sinning. There is no sign of punishment. I guess there is no God of Torah at all, you know? That's how they were thinking. So sadly, it was needed that God would uh, step in, you know? But he was very patient. That's how people are thinking today. They are thinking that we can live however we want. There, are, there is no sign of punishment. And um, that's why he prayed, right? But God is very patient. God is very good, for real. So, um, there is an, actually, I really love this example of Elijah because I think that's why God took Elijah also very seriously because he took uh, God seriously. The word that was written, he was 100% sure that God would listen to his prayer because it was written. And many of us think that Okay, it was created by God and inspired by God, but still, it's not that. Um, maybe we, we don't we don't really take it seriously. That's what I mean. And uh, yeah, there is another type of prayer that I want to bring up: uh, the cooperative prayer. Sometimes we really need each other to pray for each other. Amen. Um, my favorite example is in Acts twelve, where it's written: "So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying." To God for him. The night before Herod was uh, to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guarded the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and the light shone into the cell. 
He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's, Peter's wrist. That's very impressive. <laughs> you can see it again and again in the Christ, uh, scripture that when we are pr uh, praying earnestly and with an eager, with love, God will intercede supernaturally because God is not waiting that we would do something with our power. What he wants is that we would really trust him. We would take him seriously, the word seriously, and we would pray by faith. Without faith, you can't please God. So, and here you can see the ministry of angels. Um, every time uh, they were praying and there had to be a turn, turning point, God sent an angel. We can read about the ministry of angels in Hebrews 1, verse 14. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Wow. Angels are serving us. And we, <laughs> I at least, yeah. I couldn't take this so seriously. And when I read these words back then when I was 13, I was like, wow, angels have to serve me. Okay, you, you know, that's why we really have to realize that we are called for something very serious. It's not about gummy bear gospel. It's, it's a real fight. So, the yes. intervention of an angel um, is happening many times in the Bible, but every time there was prayer, prayer is needed. And there's also something else what we can notice. <laughs> it's amazing. The same day, I think it was the same day, I don't know, maybe the same week, but the enemy was cut off. We read this in the same chapter. On the appointed day of Herod, wait, mm -hmm, yes, on the appointed day of Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, this is the voice of, voice of God, not of the man. Immediately, because Herod didn't get, give praise to God, an angel of uh, the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God continued to spread and flourish. So everything that was resisting the will of God or the purpose of God was overthrown. And what was the, the reason? They were praying. Everything can change when you have the faith in God. You have to know, we have to realize that God, what God is, what God really wants is not judgment. He wants everyone to come to repentance. So we have to pray. Hmm. So we can ask the question, who was ruling that day or that time? It was Herod. Was it Herod or was it the church? Of course, it's not the church who is ruling, but the Holy Spirit through the church. <laughs> if the church is, let's say, the church of Joel Austin, well, it's a church, but you know what I mean? They can't really rule that way. It's the Holy Spirit. Yes. So the problem today is, I do believe it's prayer, that it's mixed with unbelief. It's just the religious practice or people <laughs> there is so much you know self-centered prayers it's all about me my problems we only see what is going on in our house that's what we see we have maybe enough faith for ourselves because we love ourselves sadly more than others this is not okay but um, this is very common so it's all about me 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 maybe my children or my man uh, my husband or my cat my dog but we won't think about lost people. That's how it is, sadly. So, and the, another thing I want to bring up is the things that are going on in the church. 
sadly, the modern church thinks that uh, they have better methods than God himself, the creator. They think now we are modern. What God used in old ages, it's not working anymore. So that's what we need uh, new um, tools or methods. For example, we have to influence the emotions of people. People are after entertainment. So let's have better entertainment than the world has. Or just let's, let's be a Christian version of it. We have to do the same things, but what is allowed according to the Bible? Let's keep it in the limits or that's what they are trying to do. What people uh, need is actually prosperity, love, fun, um, acceptance, gummy bears. I don't know. They are trying with all that. <laughs> so um, the problem is that this is not talking to the spirit. You can talk to the spirit with such things. Many times I was thinking that if I argue them enough, you know, I, I, I love to argue, especially after, uh, about uh, evolution. I thought that if I argue with them, uh, at the end, their brain is going to say, wow, I see now the heavens opened up. The brain can't, can't do that. You can't do that with the brain. You can't see God with your brain. And I, I, I try to do that, man, for at least I had a person. I had to share the gospel with them. <laughs> I tried to do that uh, first to kill the hope in evolution. So I was like, okay, let's start with evolution. And then after it uh, comes God. I was talking about this for a year. Nothing happened at the end. <laughs> but I said, okay, I, I have to give up. And then my father was the one who said, you have to talk, you have to share the gospel. And I didn't know that there is something supernatural in the gospel. The gospel doesn't make sense to the human mind. You can say someone, tell someone, there is a man who died for you. He came from the heaven. And I was like, what are you talking about? Who is that? I, I can't. The brain is not understanding these things. But the spirit knows that there is a God. The spirit knows. And it is written also that they know that there is God. But they are trying to suppress this truth. They are trying everything to do. You Amen. Know? But if there is a little bit of a soft heart, they say, okay, I'm after the truth. And if you share the gospel, because it's, it's spiritual, you can judge it only by the spirit. Uh, it is also written somewhere. Uh, the Holy, if you let the Holy Spirit use you and you are using the word of God again, these two things, then you can talk to the spirit of man, not to the brain. Don't try to talk to their brain. Talk to their spirit. They Amen. know what you are talking about. Um, you can talk actually like, yeah, we have Christmas and we love each other. And you can talk about these practical things and they are going to say, oh, how beautiful. You are keeping all these customs. But when you are starting right with the word of God by the spirit, you can see very weird reactions. <laughs> Either they are going to hate you and they would like to kill you or they are going to cry, man. I, I experienced this myself. Either way, like I said, they are going to have very weird reactions because they are completely against the truth um, or they are open for it. I, I saw this myself and I was like, man, this is how you have to share the gospel. All the time I was thinking that I had to explain them the gospel, but this is not the way. Yeah, so I have an, uh, another word for y'all. One second. Yeah, one thing about the Jews, uh, I was writing these things down yesterday and God really showed me something about the Jews. What was the turning point every time in their history? When they realized, okay, 
we are really walking on the wrong path. We really messed up. Something has to be changed. Then they said, okay, let's go back to the altar to God, to his presence. Let's cry out. Maybe he will have mercy upon us. Just pray. Just keep fasting. Something is about to happen. They knew that God would forgive them out of experience, sadly, but they did it again and again. But this was the greatest thing they could, they could do. And God was always forgiving, always forgave them. And he was after this on their side. And what do we why would do we think that we can do it is better? God does. God doesn't want us to do um, dancing shows or concerts or you know just uh, spend your money on uh, um, what is the name of this organization for children? Of course, if you are doing that, that's fine. But many people think that that's how you uh, invite God in your life. What you need is directly to go to God Himself and pray. And keep fasting and he will reveal things to you. And something else, when many times the Jews didn't realize that God wasn't with them. They were the, the moment when they realized was when they confronted already the enemy and they lost the fight terribly. There many people died. And they were like, Oh, God is not with us. Let's go back. We are going to lose the next fight again because something is wrong. And I think that's the problem in the life of many Christians. Uh, they don't know that God is not with them because they don't even confront the enemy. They, they, there is not even a fight in their life so that they could see that, oh, I'm really lost. Uh, this is not how it works, I think. So this is, what, this is the problem many times. And what really gives us strength and the engine of all that is the joy of the Lord. That this peace, the joy, what he gives us is just amazing. The, the world can give you this. And that's why we are doing what we are doing, right? And how can, you, how can you bring joy to the Lord? I do believe every time when you read the Bible, Jesus was only impressed by faithful men and women. When he saw that someone had faith, he was impressed. Or there is, for example, just one time in the Bible when God is saying, wait, I wrote this down somewhere. In Matthew 3, 17, and the voice from heaven was saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Or there is another translation. And the voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me a great joy. So guess what? If God sees Jesus in you, you will bring joy to him. <laughs> he will bless what you are doing. This is very important. And um, I also want to read another verse. In 1 Timothy 2, uh, verses 1 up to 4, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives, lives in all godliness and holiness. This is God and pleases God or Savior. This is good and pleases God or Savior. Sorry. He wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So, the first public ministry of the church is when they are coming together in assemblies, prayer. And our first obligation is to pray for the government. I know we don't like that. <laughs> I will share my first testimony about this, but for real, this is the uh, first category. He says we have to pray for all men, but first for the government, for those that are in authority. Does the government have an influence mm -hmm. on our life? 
I think it does on your neighbor, on your, on the whole country, maybe on the whole world. For example, let let's look at um, at um, Germany or America. I know America has many uh, states, but still, it, it, we really have to pray for uh, the government. And uh, in other words, our prayer has to be also as far-reaching as the mercy, the love of God, and the offer of the gospel to all people, to all men. Um, I was trying uh, when I was younger, or <laughs> three or four months ago, okay, uh, let's say, I was trying to evangelize or just go out and just to talk to strangers. And it was impossible for me. It was so hard. There was a war. I, I couldn't do it. And then I realized that I'm not even praying for them. But this is the first I have to do. Like I said, our prayer has to be as far-reaching as the offer of the gospel. You are men. So I realized, okay, and even this was something that Brother Greg was mentioning last time. We have to pray for those people first, that God would create such a heart in us that we are able to share the gospel with them. If you don't love people, you, you can't uh, go to them and share the gospel with them. This is already hard. Without love, is it's, it's impossible. Or if you are doing it, it's better maybe if you are not doing it because they are evangelists, they should go home. It's terrible what they are doing. So we, we need that heart first. <laughs> one second. I had here one verse regarding that. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I, I had something that I was, I see this in the life of many in my life too. I, but thanks God, I, I repented. Um, I was always praying like that. God, this whole thing, the whole earth is so wicked. Just destroy it and just come back, bring your kingdom. I can't see it anymore. <laughs> Tell me that I wasn't self-righteous. <laughs> so the thing is that many of us, we hate the government. It's true that they are wicked. This is true. May God open their eyes up that they would repent or just cut them off. This is right. And that God would uh, bring a new, new man, new godly and godly woman and man in those positions. We have to pray that, that way. And uh, like I said, um, many times we are so cold in our hearts. We are angry and we are self-righteous that we are just in our holes and we are just waiting the, for the breath of God. But in the first place, we should pray that God would bring revival without persecution, without these things. Why don't you pray for that? This is the will of God. Not that he would bring wrath, you know. This would be the first thing. And uh, if we think that we are, <laughs> we are, for real, we, first we have to learn to live for Christ in good times, because otherwise what makes us think that we could die for him in bad times? It's impossible. First, we have to be able now to live for him. And um, this, is, this is what really changed my perspective and my mind. There are people that are really praying like that, or they are happy if they see a catastrophe. And when it's solved, they are like, what? Come on. We thought this was the sign, you know, and God will come back. And they are even angry at God. What they are doing, I was doing that maybe too, um, that they are talking about revelations. I think they, they are not even reading the other books, just the revelations. They are talking only about the signs. Signs, yeah, yeah, I see the signs there, and I see the signs there. And they are so wicked. And they just talk about the wickedness of the world in their churches. Or I, I know brothers and sisters that really lost the path because of that. 
because they think that if they are mentioning these things often enough, God will send Jesus back sooner. They think that Jesus will come back sooner if they do that. <laughs> I was thinking that too, you know. And when I saw that every, the thing was solved, I was like, what? I thought this was the sign in the chapter and so on and so on. This is not how we grow in the spirit. This is not the Amen. right way. Yeah. So um, I realized that this is not according to the will of God. That's why when I was praying that God would come and bring his bread and it wasn't happening because it wasn't his will, thanks God. So uh, God really changed my mind regarding that. Um, we, we shouldn't pray this way. And we, are, we, we don't have fruits if we are doing this, you know. There are so many that really lost the joy of the Lord and the real reason why we are here and why Jesus died for us. Yes, and I also want to uh, emphasize this. We really need workers. We need many workers. There is a lot to do and we need to pray not only... Christians that are going to church and they are sitting there, but we really need workers they are, that are way makers, you know, like was, for example, John the Baptist. We need people like that. Um, it's written in Matthew 9, 37. Maybe Brother Greg just read this, but let's read it again. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. So we are praying for workers. I, I see that many times that they are praying in the church, but are we already good workers? Are we good workers? Are we having a saying, um, um, separated the holy life? Um, Jesus is saying, when I will come back, will I find you uh, during work? Like you have to work when he's come back and you are not working, you are sleeping or you are hitting the other servant like many Christians do to each other. This is not what Jesus wants to see when he comes back. Amen. Right. So we really have to be good workers Amen. of God. That If you would come back, he would say, okay, my faithful servant, <laughs> you were um, faithful on little, so I will entrust you with more, something like that. It's written there. I, I think I even wrote it down. So we really have to know, have to rule by prayer by the Holy Spirit and relying on the words, uh, word of God, we have to know, have to do it now, because it's it's also written in Luke sixteen eleven. Though if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Though right, it's not only about the money, but about everything. If you don't know how to uh, rule right now through the Spirit, God won't entrust you with more in heaven. Now is the time for practice, <laughs> right? So I really, I just want to encourage every one of us to, to pray more for ministers, for brothers and sisters who are really working for God in the church, that God would use them more. We, we need those people. We really need them. And we shouldn't invest our money and time and everything like the world does. Sadly, that's how I was thinking back then, but God... Game. God set me free from that. My first thing was career. I don't know how to pronounce it. Career, career, whatever. Money, fame, uh, success, uh, knowledge, and positions. This was everything. And I was trying to invest my money into firma companies, or I just, you know, to start my own company and everything. 
but this is nothing. We have to invest our money, our energy, and our love, our time into this, into the work of God. And there is something else This is very dangerous in the church, the coldness in the church. We have to pray against that. Because this was the sin of, let me read that, I, I wrote this down, in Ezekiel 16, 49. Now, this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They didn't help the poor and the needy. The, I do believe this was the root problem of Sodom and Gomorrah. And then after this came everything possible. Homosexuality and everything, the worst was happening. So this is what we really have to be careful that the first love, we can't lose the first love. This was written in the Bible, right? In Revelations, maybe three, that we shouldn't uh, lose this first love. This is why God created human, the, the man, the woman, the whole world, because how parents want children to see themselves and the children and to have someone to love, God created us. And uh, this is the reason why we are here. This is the reason why Jesus died for us. He rose from the dead and he's coming again. And until then, we have to rule through prayer and we really have to take God seriously, his word. And if we pray according to his will, with belief, because without faith, you can't please God. Your, your prayer is already gone. We really have to pray this way. And I just want to encourage you all and God bless you all. This was everything that I wanted to share. And I hope that it was a blessing to some of you. Yeah. Amen. <clears throat>